Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Sheila Carroll. Dr. Carroll is a board-certified pediatrician who is dedicated to helping children achieve their best health. She does this by working exclusively with parents who are willing to focus on modifying their own behaviors to ultimately improve their child's health. In the episode, Dr. Carroll discusses how parents can help and support children who are struggling with extra weight. But before we get to the episode, I quickly want to share one of my favorite resources with you, thrivemarket.com. I don't know about you, but I used to think eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive delivers groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people and heavily discount their inventory. When I buy groceries on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I save at least $20 per order, and I'm able to fill up my cart from the comfort of my couch. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Dr. Carol. Enjoy. Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Sheila. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be connecting with you. You're in Maine. I think you're my first guest from Maine, so this is very exciting. <laughs> I told you I used to have a love affair with the state. I'd never even been there, but I decided as a child I wanted to go to college in Maine. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I could really be happy in Maine, but all of my family's on the West Coast, so <laughs> they would probably not be happy if I were there. Yeah, it is such a beautiful place to live. Uh, it yeah, is, I, love, and, I love it here. Portland, especially the food culture. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so cute and beautiful walking around. I mean, yeah, this yeah. is not necessarily a podcast for as an advertisement yes. for Maine, but <laughs> they do call it vacation land. Yeah. <laughs> Come on vacation. Been, yeah. Yeah. Go, yeah. go to Maine yeah. for sure. Uh, so now you'll get an influx, I'm sure into Maine yeah, just good. from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I would love if you could start out by telling us what first caused you to become a pediatrician and then to kind of make the shift into your role as a coach? Sure. So I have been a pediatrician for about 23 years now. Um, My dad is a physician too. He is an adult doctor. He's an oncologist. He's retired now. Um, But, you know, I kind of went to medical school under his 
you know, guidance. He didn't, you know, pressure me or anything, but he thought it was such a great way to spend your life. And he kept telling me it's so meaningful and powerful to be able to help people like that. So I went to medical school and during our third year of medical school, we do a rotation in every um, discipline. You know, you do two months of OB or two months of family practice. And, and when I came to my pediatric rotation, I just really enjoyed it. And also like it was meaningful to me, like, cause sometimes you get called in the middle of the night and I never minded getting called in the middle of the night to go help a baby or a child. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, I was finding myself getting annoyed, getting called in the middle of the night to t- right. <laughs> to take care of like, yeah. you're an you adult, know. figure it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? Does this have to happen right now? <laughs> So if it's a baby, I, then it's fine. Exactly. If it's a baby, like, of course I'm getting up and getting yeah. right there and running, you know. So, I, you know, and I, I've just always loved kids. I babysat as a, I started babysitting when I was 10 years old, which, you know, is, seems unheard of today. But someone would, someone left their six-month-old baby with me when I was 10, you know. Yeah. So I've just always loved kids. So I became a pediatrician and have in, really enjoyed that. And, you know, a couple of things are happening. I have my own son now um, and he's 11. And so sometimes the lifestyle of a pediatrician or the lifestyle of a doctor and having your own family. Um, and I'm a single parent. I'm an only parent, actually. So it's just me and my son. Um, so I was missing some stuff in his life that I didn't want to be missing. And I was having to have him do things like go to aftercare or go to before care that he didn't love and I didn't love. And at the same time, I was undergoing myself. Like I was, uh, I, I had gotten introduced to coaching and I was learning the power of coaching and I was seeing how transformative it can be. And um, so I, and I realized like, this is what my patients need. This is what, people would really benefit from that doctors don't really have the time and the medical system is not set up to support, you know, a coach, you know, any kind of significant coaching. Um, it's great. Like, Oh, your, your child is sick. They have a fever. They need the, you know, they need this or they need that. But, um, for lifestyle, for lifestyle changes and habit changes, um, you really need more time with people and families and the medical system just, doesn't allow that. So I decided to create my own business, uh, you know, helping families, helping parents uh, of kids who are struggling with extra weight, learn how to create the lifestyle that they want for their family. Mm -hmm. So kind of learn what to do, all the things to do. And then importantly, like how to actually implement those things how to do the things that you say you want to do for your family. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So I transitioned out of being like a technical doctor into being a a life, a life coach uh, for parents. Awesome. And I'm sure equally as gratifying. Yes. And in a lot of ways, frankly, more gratifying for me, you know, this is being able to have more flexibility and schedule. And that's where a lot of that comes from. Yeah, that's been that's been wonderful. But also, like for me, I I am working with people. My clients are 
are people who are really uh, seeking help and change and invested and working, you know, working towards um, achieving their goals and they're ready. And so it's been really like uh, powerful to be a part of people's transforming their families' lives, really changing the trajectory of their child's future. So exciting. Yeah. What are the health consequences of obesity in childhood? Well, you know, we're seeing more and more um, adult-type diseases at at the younger ages. So, for example, um, high blood pressure is something we're seeing a lot in kids who are struggling with extra weight. Um, Fatty liver disease, which is usually something used to be only ever seen in adults. But what that is, is like when your body is converting fat at, at a rate that it can't be stored. Like, um, they call it subcutaneous. Like, uh, it's, you know, fat can be stored in a couple of different places, but the fat you can kind of pinch (laughs) is subcutaneous fat, but additionally fat is being stored inside our organs at times. And so when you're storing fat inside your organs, you're pushing out or damaging the healthy cells that are already there. So that's what fatty liver disease is. Um, Type 2 diabetes, pre-diabetes, kids have bone and joint problems. Um, So there's like the physical part of things, but then there's really the emotional side of things too that that kids are having. Um, Depression, anxiety, they're getting bullied, they feel they have low self-esteem, they have, you know, so there's really, you know, emotional wellness and physical wellness Mm -hmm. affecting, obesity is affecting all of that. Right. You say you're dedicated, and you kind of alluded to this, to helping children achieve their best health, and that you accomplish that by working exclusively with parents who are willing Mm -hmm. to focus on modifying their own behaviors. Which I think is interesting because I'm sure people come to you if they have a child who has extra weight looking for help. Do they know when they first come to you that it's going to be like the actions and the habits you're going to put into place are going to really center more on them than the child? Or, you know, how does your approach kind of differ? Yeah. So, you know, the traditional medical approach or, you know, is, you know, people would bring your child to the doctor and here's my child, you know, please talk to them about health and weight and, you know, but the problem is, you know, that what I'm, what I was finding um, is, and I just believe this so deeply that our kids, their brains aren't developed enough yet to be able, they don't have the skills, they don't have the prefrontal cortex development yet. They don't, they just can't think at the level that you need to, to change your behaviors in a, in a Mm -hmm. sustainable and like a, you know, in a non-dieting, not following the rules, but creating, you know, creating, you know, freedom around food involves like being able to think about your future, your future self. I'll give you an example here. My son is 11 and, 
you know, sometimes some of the food choices he makes are, you know, especially when we're out or at a friend's house or at a sports event or something, you know, like the other day he wanted to, he, he came over with an opened Gatorade. He had gotten a Gatorade somehow and that's fine. No, you know, it's not a, no, no big deal. But I said, oh, I have water here. I said, would you prefer to drink water? And he said, you know, and he said, no. And I said, okay, just so you, you know, I said, well, you know, future Theo, you know, my son's name is Theo. So I was like, well, future Theo, you know, tomorrow or the next day, his body would probably feel much better if he chose water right now, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to get, you know, I use the example of like me when I'm, trying to clean up the kitchen at the end of the night, I say to him like, oh, future Sheila, future mom, tomorrow morning when I wake up and make my coffee, I am going to be so happy that I did all of these dishes right now. So I'm doing the thing that I need to right now for my future self in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so I give him that whole spiel. And then, you know, I was talking about the Gatorade and he, I was like, so, you know, future thing, he goes, mom, I do not care about future Theo. <laughs> I just want this Gatorade. Yeah, and that's the problem. That's the right. thing. So that kind of, to me, in a nutshell, is why, why kids, even if they want to and they're so sincere and they're so earnest, and kids want to be healthy, and they, right, right. they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to have any problems at all, but they don't have thinking process their brains are just not wired yet they will right. be down the line so that's why I chose to focus solely on the parents because that's where the biggest bang for the buck for the child is mm -hmm. so the bonus is it helps the parents because the parents feel better the, they develop this amazing relationship between the child and the parent and the parent actually you know uh, just gets to a calmer, more confident, you know, more accepting, you know, place about food, about your child and about your relationship. Um, and at the same time, the parent learns, you know, kind of two things like the, the to do's, what to do, what to eat, what not to, you know, that kind of thing, how much to sleep exercise, movement, stress management, emotional regulation skills, and the mindset piece of how to do it for themselves so that they're able to implement the changes for their family, and also how to teach your child that as your child developmentally ages into the appropriate, you know, my son's too little right now to, to he understands the concept of future Theo, he's just not on board with it yet. Right. But someday he will be. Someday he'll understand that much more. And um, so that's it, it's, you know, I tell parents it's a long it's like a runway till the plane takes off, you know, mm -hmm. um, that we're setting the stage for them over years so that when they are completely on their own and making their own decisions about food and lifestyle, they'll have a really deep understanding of things that are good for them. Yeah. Um, I used to teach high school. I taught for 12 years before I went into coaching myself. And 
the kids would walk in in the morning with their breakfast or remnants of it, kind of tucking it away in their backpack. And the majority of them would have some type of colorful liquid and bag of Chex Mix or donuts or something from the vending machine. And I would kind of sit there and say, how do you feel? You know, after you eat that, do you feel energized for the rest of the day? And usually they'd say, oh, not really. I get really hungry and I kind of have a crash. Mm. And But it it is interesting because I that clearly wasn't my job. <laughs> I was there to teach English. So I wasn't yeah. really getting involved in the nutrition aspect of what they were eating. You know, they can do whatever they want. But then the next day and the day after that, and the day after that, even if they had told me one day, yeah, I mm. feel terrible after I eat this they just kept getting it and getting it and getting it. And so I think it's a really good point that it's not out of any fault of their own. Their brains are just literally exactly. not developed yet yeah. to think about the impact of current choices on their future feelings. A hundred percent. But what you were doing was so powerful for them. And it's something that's super helpful for all of us to connect our actual feelings in our actual body. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the times, you know, we think our feelings are, but what, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling, you know, happy or whatever. But that's more like a thought actually than our actual feeling. So there, it is a true skill to learn to feel when you eat something, how does your body actually feel with that? You know, mm-hmm. before, during, and after. Same thing with like movement. How do you feel? Um, and so, I, yeah, you were you were um, offering them a really, in, you know, valuable insight, um, whether they take it or not. <laughs> Half the time, I swear they didn't even know I was there. It's the bell would ring. I was like, "Hello." <laughs> I know. Well, starting. I know. <laughs> what yeah. are you guys? Yeah. So this is the whole, this is a whole, the whole different thing. world. Yeah. yeah. This is why trying to change your child, it's usually not a successful endeavor, you know, mm-hmm. they're, it, if and when they become internally motivated or intrinsically motivated to change, then, then you're off, you know, then you're off and running, but, um, trying to, you know, I, I, I do think there's a lot of value in providing education for kids uh, about nutrition and movement and sleep, all the things, all the things we want them to know, they are taking it in, you know, but I think that then there's just that gap. They can't really implement it themselves, mm-hmm. but the parents, especially for younger kids, us parents, we can help our kids without our kids even really being involved or knowing about it. You know, I don't have to tell my son like, well, I'm changing our bedtime routine because blah, blah, blah. All I need to do is just change our routine. And, you know, um, yeah. So anyways, so that's why I end up working with, that's why I think there's a lot more bang for the buck in working with parents. Certainly some kids are super motivated and are interested in, and in that case, then yeah, coaching will work for them. And, um, but that's not the majority of kids. I would imagine that a parent who feels or who doesn't feel really good in their skin or comfortable or isn't really in tune with how they're feeling or is making choices that don't help them feel good. I would imagine 
this can be a struggle for that parent because they feel as if they don't have the best habits set up to mm-hmm. model for their child in the first place. And so I'm sure, you know, that involves a lot of work. But in the same vein, I'm sure it's difficult even for parents who feel like they're really doing everything that works for them. And then if their child is doing contrarian things and making choices that don't align with how they are eating and feeling themselves, you know, I, I could just see that it would be challenging either way, just knowing how to communicate to a child because the kind of top down, do this, do that, you know, not, not always the most effective, probably, like you said, kind of more modeling, I'm sure is useful. Like what are some strategies just for parents to communicate and model and show healthy behaviors to children? Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently, feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at thehealthinvestment. Now, back to the episode. Well, certainly modeling, you know, living or, you know, showing your kids versus just telling them, you know, showing them that you're eating vegetables, you know, what you're eating. Um, Yeah, modeling the behaviors, getting some movement in, getting some sleep. How does how do you, the parent, manage your stress and talk about your feelings? Um, and if you're struggling with all of that stuff, then then yes, then definitely we can work on you first. And then once you know, once you feel better and start to feel better, you'll just naturally start to, you know, shine kind of outward and your child will pick up on that. So there's benefit in, 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 in parents going first. I always say that, you know, we can just start with, you know, working with you for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think for all kids, my biggest, or, you know, my biggest hope for all parents and all kids is that us parents can get to a place with, with, you know, with, well, we, first of all, we have to become aware of what we're actually thinking about our children. Um, but get to a place where we are accepting our child for how they are right now, like fully accepting them and understanding and empathizing and just loving them just as they are. And that doesn't mean we don't try to help them change or help them evolve or help them grow. But, you know, for, especially for 
some kids who are overweight, you know, if they're looking at their parent and their parent is worried about them, scared or, uh, or frustrated with them that they won't do what they're saying, you know, or, or some, you know, maybe some parents feel a little embarrassed that their child is overweight. It's a bad parent, you know, they're, they're mistaken, of course, but it's, you know, and, and so if a parent is feeling those feelings about their child, the child can tell that. And mm -hmm. so the first place to start is, you know, how do you want to feel about your child? And let's work on the thoughts you need to be having to create that feeling of complete acceptance for your child. Because when your child feels completely accepted and at home with who they are right now, then that door will open to them. I'm okay right as I am now and I can change. Mm -hmm. I don't have to change to try to be better, try to be more valuable. I'm not changing to be more acceptable. I'm I'm 100% right now and I'm changing, you know, to be healthier or whatever, you know. But mm -hmm. that that I think is, you know, I think even if you never changed what you ate or never <laughs> never changed any of your lifestyle habits, if parents just changed or or if parents need to if they could just completely accept their child as they were then that would go a long way and i have to say my parents did that for me i was an overweight kid um i started being overweight like when i was nine or ten and i had a couple brothers and sisters who weren't overweight um but i was and so my, the my mom took me, or she didn't take me because of that, but I think I went to a regular checkup and I was um, overweight on this, you know, whatever back then. I forget what it was, but the guy, the doctor told my mom, um, you got to get her to stop eating so much and um, gave me a pamphlet that listed out every calorie of every food, like an apple, 60 calories. I don't, I can't even remember. All I remember, it was green. It was like an old fashioned map. You know those maps we used to care, keep mm -hmm, in our mm -hmm. in our um, dashboard, and so I was supposed to figure that out at ten years old, like twelve hundred calories. That's how much he told me to eat every day, and so my 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 mom and dad, they never made me feel bad about my weight. And when I looked at them, I saw how much they loved me and accepted me as I was. And that was so powerful for me. It didn't help me change. It didn't help me <laughs> really address my weight issue because we didn't talk about it as a family and we didn't, um, you know, we didn't change as a family. We just kind of kept going. They, my family just kept going the way they were going, um, which for me was, you know, eating cookies and eating, eating things that weren't serving for serving my body. And I happened to be, you know, one of those people that gains weight easily. Um, and I think that that's what's happening today. Certain kids, certain people gain weight more easily than others. Some mm -hmm. kids, you can see them eating all the things and they don't gain weight. My sister was one of those kids and mm -hmm. other kids um, get, eat and gain pretty easily. So mm -hmm. where am I going with this long ramble? <laughs> I guess 
<laughs> I guess my point is, you know, yeah, I just, I try to help the parents um, see the true, like, value in accepting your child just as they are and starting there. Right. I would imagine kind of a first knee-jerk reaction for a parent is to just change the way they grocery shop and maybe not bring as many processed foods into the house, bring in more fruits and vegetables. Does an approach like that typically work if there's just not more processed foods around and there's more fruits and vegetables? Is it is an availability and proximity thing one of the strategies? Or... I mean, that's a great strategy, especially if you have younger kids who aren't going, going out to buy their own food. Um, yes. But even if you do have teenagers or older kids... If they if 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 you can't eat it at home, or you're not eat it on a regular basis at home, you're just not eating it, and it's and the kids are fine. So you know that that is a great that is a great step that parents can take. And exactly what you said, you know, part of the well, in my opinion, the biggest problem we're having, you know, with pediatric overweight or kids with extra weight is uh, the processed foods. And the food culture we're swimming in, it is just so filled with added sugars and, um, and it's really the added sugars that are driving weight gain in kids. So kids are mm. supposed to have, um, if you're zero to two years old, you're supposed to have zero added sugar a day. So, mm. you know, like fruit has natural sugar. So we're not talking about that. We're not talking about any kind of natural sugars. Um, but you know, if you read labels now, the, they have to say added sugars on the, on the label. So zero to two, you're not supposed to have any added sugars and then two to 19 or, you know, two to when you're an adult, 24 grams of sugar a day, which is six teaspoons a day. So which is that six, Gatorade, I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit there. It's oh, sorry. 24 six, grams is... 24 grams is about six teaspoons. Okay. Like if you were going to make, you know, white table sugar or whatever, you know, uh, cooking sugar and you use your teaspoon and to, did out six uh, teaspoons, that little mountain would be the maximum amount you're supposed to have in a day. So that Gatorade bottle my son came over with had 39 grams of sugar in that one bottle. Huh. And so that's more than a whole day of the sugar, you know, that he's technically recommended. Those are recommendations from like the American Heart Association, the CDC, um, you know, the World Health Organization. And, you know, honestly, those, not 100% sure, I can't quite, none of us can quite figure out where those numbers came from. And a lot of people think they should be a lot lower. Um, but my advice to parents is to cut back on foods with added sugars anytime you can. Like there's, there's so many added sugars in barbecue sauce, ketchup, spaghetti sauce, fruit yogurts. Like once you become aware and start paying attention, and if your child is interested, we talk about being a sugar detective and starting to read the labels and figure out not in a crazy way, like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to eat anything, with, but just to understand the food environment that we're in and mm -hmm. kind of what we're up against in, in a way. Right. 
What if uh, someone's listening and they have an older child, so a teenager or preteen, that has a lot of preferences and likes and dislikes around mm-hmm. their food choices and the snacks in the house, but the parent wants to make an overhaul? I would imagine it's definitely more challenging, right, with older kids who can talk <laughs> versus a baby who can't <laughs> say anything yet. You know, they're going to kind yeah, of eat I, what you give them. Yeah, so it's it's a good opportunity for just a discussion and it's a good opportunity for education for the child. There's a couple things that, that they could be educated about, like what is driving their desire for these foods with sugar? Like, um, and well, they taste good, right? These processed foods, they're easy to eat and they taste good. Um, and that, and, and as long as kids know, like, that's a evolutionarily driven, like the human body liking sugar. And when it gets sugar, it's like, oh, I should get more of that. That was so good for me, you know, because it was easy calories. Um, and so once you're, once you're a teenager, you know, just understand, okay, this is, these foods were created in a lab somewhere to get you to eat them. Just because they're sold doesn't mean they're, you know, they're certainly not for your health, a lot of them, um, but understand why you're driven to eat them. It's because of your very ancient brain. And if you want, you can kind of override that programming to choose healthier foods. And mm. here's why you might want to choose healthier foods. And so kind of just having that discussion with them and, and then it's kind of like, you know, approaching it in a way like we approach alcohol or drugs or other things with our kids. We educate them and, you know, for example, you know, probably if your teenager was asking you to supply them with beer just because they really like the taste of it, you'd probably say no, right? Yeah. Like, no, no, I don't think that's good for you. I don't think that's healthy for you. Um, but if he goes out, he or she goes out and has or drinks when you're not around, you actually, there's not a lot you can do about that right in that moment. But so you can take that same approach. Well, as a parent, you can say like, well, I've decided or I've learned and it's part of my job as your parent to try to keep you as healthy as possible. And so I'm concerned with the processed foods in, that we're all eating so much of. And so I'm choosing to have less of them at home. And then, you know, just the education piece. And then parents need to be able to sit with, you know, when your son comes over, you know, to you with a big Gatorade or a big bag of Doritos or you see him eating whatever. And you're just like, okay, you know, okay. But they, they, these kids, all of our kids, they are on their own journeys and we're helping them and guiding them, but we really, we can't control them, mm-hmm. but we can educate them and love them and support them and, um, help them and hope as they age that they'll, you know, step into the ownership of choosing foods and that are going to serve them and movement and sleep and all of that. You haven't used the term bad 
you know, like junk food is or processed food bad. You haven't used any kind of negative terms around it. Even your example with your son with the Gatorade, Mm -hmm. you didn't just jump to that's really bad for you. Why are you drinking that? And I think maybe that can be the inclination. Maybe we've learned that from our parents Mm -hmm. of labeling foods as good or bad. Do you tend to stay away from kind of the charge language and keep it more neutral and just educational? Does that seem to help, especially with kind of not yeah, it, it dieting even helps. mindset? It, yeah, for sure. And it even helps me with my food choices. You know, sometimes I say to myself, you know, or say to my son, like, food is just food. This Gatorade is just, you know, it's certain molecules stuck together. You know, this, this food, it's not good or bad. It's just food. But some food is more nutritious than others that for, for our bodies. You know, if you look at us as a machine or as an as a animal, you know, eating, we're, we were designed to eat certain foods to, as fuel, to use food as fuel. The foods today, they're not designed as fuel for our bodies. They're designed for enjoyment they're designed for lots of different reasons besides fuel. Um, so I don't, you know, if you're, if you tell your child that that food is bad and then your child wants to eat that bad food, it's a pretty short jump to like, Oh, I must be bad mm-hmm. because I'm eating something bad, you know? So I, I don't think that that's helpful for anybody. I know I don't feel good when I'm like, Oh, I was bad. I ate whatever, you know, I'm just like, Oh, in that moment, I chose to have Doritos or whatever, Mm -hmm. not to malign Doritos, but (laughs) I mean, Doritos are pretty good. (laughs) They're hard to stop eating. That's for sure. I like Doritos too. But you know, like sometimes I think like, Oh, I'm just choosing to eat that. And it's, it's, that's where that for me was a big breakthrough moment when I realized like, especially as an adult, like I'm a grown up. I can choose to eat whatever I want, but I'm, I'm choosing not to, I'm choosing to eat something else or I'm choosing to eat this, you know, fill in the blank salad, you know, fish, whatever, instead of this other thing, I'm choosing to eat this because I like the results. I like the way I feel. I like the way it works for my body. And when you, when you feel completely free to, eat whatever the heck you want, you can just choose, you know, and I always say to myself too, like, oh, I'm not going to eat that today. I'm not, I'm not choosing to eat that right now. Maybe tomorrow, if I want to eat it tomorrow, fine, I'll eat it tomorrow, you know, but it's just like that. That's where freedom comes and like peace and freedom around food is just, it doesn't, the food doesn't control you. You're not, you're not having to eat something. You're not resisting and fighting, you know? Yeah, I think uh, for myself and many of my clients, exactly what you said, when you feel as if snacks are controlling you rather than the other way around, Mm. that's just not a speaking of feeling good in our bodies. That's not a good feeling to feel completely out of control around processed foods. And so it sounds as if a lot of the work you do is kind of on mindset, Mm -hmm. not just Mm -hmm. practical strategies, but also thinking about food differently, creating a better relationship with food, trying to communicate that to your child. Uh, as you were talking about fuel, I was even thinking, I have a friend whose son is a preteen. He's really into cars. 
And so I was thinking you could even probably use a car as an analogy. Totally. If you got that Lamborghini, it needs the premium gasoline. What happens to it if you put in... Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> Coca-Cola. I, yeah. I say that. I say that to my little, you know, my, I used to say that to my patients, you know, because they really do understand that when your mom's car is running low, where do you go? The gas station. Oh, what do you do there? Oh, we put in gas. I'm like, Oh, how come you don't put in Coca-Cola? You know? Oh, cause it's, uh, cause our car wouldn't work. It would break down, you know? And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's similar to our bodies, you know? And I think you said the example of animals. I mean, even just gravitating to whatever your child Mm. likes or is intrigued by, I feel like there could be some parallel between that thing thriving and needing whatever. And if you were to feed it Doritos and Coca-Cola and Gatorade, you know, maybe it wouldn't thrive as much Mm -hmm. as it Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. currently. I I think kids can really understand too, the idea of the fact that we're not that different than our, the human body in 2023 is not very different than it was 200, 300, 400 years ago, evolutionarily. You know, sometimes I would say to kids like, well, who's the oldest person you can think of? And People usually come up with George Washington or uh, (laughs) Abraham Lincoln's a good favorite one, too. And I was like, okay, well, Abraham Lincoln. So that wasn't that long ago in in the big span of time. And what foods were Abraham Lincoln and what was he eating and what was his family and his friends eating? And then we talk about how the food has just changed so much. But our bodies haven't, you know, I say our bodies are the exact same as Abraham Lincoln. But the mm-hmm. food we're putting into them, that's the problem. So the problem is not us. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I, you know, and I think that this is just so, you know, it's so important for people to realize, like, the problem's not your body. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong. The problem is the food environment that we're in um, and our lifestyles that lead us to, you know, choose the foods that we're choosing if they're not working for our body. But then that, right. that's also the, that's also the solution. That's also the key is like, okay, now I know now I can choose foods for the most part. I don't have to be perfect. There's nothing, you know, this is a long game. We are going, you know, there, there is no um, go hardcore. I wouldn't recommend that at all, but like um, just choose foods that your body was designed to run really well on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much sharing all of this wisdom with myself and my audience. One of the final questions I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? In my opinion, <laughs> it you know, a health investment to me is, I want to say putting in the time um, to fully understand why you're doing all of the healthy things. So if you, you know, if you like a health investment of getting good sleep, eating, really eating well, um, you know, stress management, um, moving well, if 
if you're just following somebody else's rules or a prescription, you know, or, oh, I, I should be, I know I should be walking or I know I should be doing this, but you don't really understand and believe it's important for you. Like no matter, you know, it's just never going to work for you in a sustainable way. So like mm -hmm. a good investment for me or a good like health investment is really for the person to spend time figuring out why it's important for them and understanding that aspect because that's what's going to keep you going and keep your keep your changes make it sustainable and um yeah what do you think is the absolutely <laughs> Wow, nobody's ever thrown it back on me. Um, no, I agree. I think connecting with kind of the whys behind what you're mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. is what I was kind of pulling out of that. And yeah. I do that with myself. I mean, I talk with clients, you know, if we're talking about nutrition, movement, sleep, and stress, if those are kind of the big four pillars. Right. And, you know, you could, of course, add mindset, community. There could be others. But let's take those big four. There's probably going to be one that is more challenging for you than the others. So for me, nutrition at this point feels pretty fine. Sleep. I love sleep. I'm obsessed with it. That's not a problem. Stress. I'm pretty good with the stress part. The movement piece for me is my challenging one. And so it requires a lot more mindset work and connecting to my why. And mm -hmm. I work from my desk most days. So I can sit a lot of the day and then I got a Fitbit this year and I can look at the end of the day and maybe I have 2000 steps and it's so tempting just to go to the couch and mm -hmm. open up my book or watch a TV show just to unwind, but telling myself, okay, you're going to go for this walk and then you're going to feel better and more energized in about an hour and future then you're going to sleep better future Brooke <laughs> circling back. Exactly. But just, un I think it's a really important thing you said yeah. of understanding why for you, it's not this. Yes. Society says I should go for a walk, Exactly. but I why am I doing it for this. me? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the truth is if, if it's not for you right now, then don't torture yourself and don't try to do it right now. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't recommend that. But if you're really like, I've got too much other stuff going on, you know, it, then you just end up feeling bad. And that's right. And yeah. I think there's different seasons too, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I think these mm -hmm. trainers online annoy me when they'll say something like everybody has the same 24 hours in a day because I mean, yeah, I guess. But also if you have a newborn or if you have yeah. a, a sick yeah. parent or if you're going through a challenging time with your spouse, I mean, different things happen in life. Sure. And yeah. so you have to understand when you can kind of ease up a little bit and just be kind to yourself. And maybe you prioritize sleep more and you move less in one season and then maybe another season you move more, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it just, it's a constant ebb and flow. It's not just you hit it and all of a sudden you've achieved optimal health and it's never a work in progress. It's just a constant work in progress. And I think that's another kind of misconception out there with the mm -hmm. diet culture of you just diet and then you've made it. Right. And then you're set for life, which we yeah, when that, happen. the day that diet ends, yeah. you know, like, yeah, I've yeah. done it. Yeah. <laughs> I made and it. it 
and the thing too like is also just understanding like it can be fun all of these things that we're talking about it like oh healthy i said to my son's friends the other day we we're driving we're all driving in the car and i'm like when you guys hear the word healthy what do you think they're like tastes bad yucky you know like <laughs> it's like and it's just so true sometimes you know what i mean like so but i think shifting especially as parents like and not in a fake way, but really like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be hard and painful to be healthy. It can mm-hmm. actually be simple and sustainable and fun, fun. you know? Yeah. yeah. Especially for kids, emphasizing the fun. Yes. That's how you get the yeah. buy-in. <laughs> yeah, totally. Agreed. Well, where can listeners follow and find you? The easiest places on my website. I have a website. It's my full name, SheilaCarolMD.com. And there's a lot of information on that. I have a blog for trying to give out information. I also have a um, free guide uh, if anybody wants it. It's called 10 Simple Steps to Help Your Child Achieve a Healthy Weight. Um, And it talks about, well, it talks about sleep is one of them, but it talks about 10 simple 10 things that you can do that are, uh, that would help, you know, your whole family really. Mm. Um, and you know, not to, not that you need to do all of them at once, but pick one, start small, see how it goes. When you're feeling good enough, pick another one, you know? Mm-hmm. So incremental awesome. steps. Yeah. Great. Well, I will put a link to your website in the show notes. That's okay. Easily clickable. I just want to thank you so much again for being here, Sheila. Thank you, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.